This ain't no regular Taz show. It's the Friday Throwback Snack. <laughs> Friday Throwback Snacks? Mm. Every Friday, Taz takes an inside look at a classic match. <laughs> this is how you kick off a weekend. All right, guys, what's going on? What up, what up, what up? Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Taz Show. Another throwback snack. Here we go. You know, I love these because I, I feel like I get you guys rocking and rolling on a Friday. Maybe listening to this like on the way home from work or on the way to work. Or maybe you're uh, checking it out at the gym. Or just hanging out at home, smoking a nice cigar, whatever you're doing. Maybe it's the weekend, you read a newspaper, listen to a throwback snack via your boy Taz, whatever you're doing. It's appreciated. Maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're driving far, far away from your significant other because you're sick of he or her. That could be. Maybe. Whatever it is, God bless you. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you downloading this on the uh, iTunes or Spotify or TuneIn, maybe the Radio.com app, TazShow.com. Whatever you're doing, you guys know I do appreciate it, and I I say it all the time because I mean it, and um, it's important to me. So, uh, but um, this particular throwback snack, um, you know, I, I I I take pride on the matches I pick. And um, and the wrestlers that I pick to do these throwback snacks on, I'll bounce it off of some other people, friends of mine, some ideas before I do them um, to see what they think. Uh, some p- couple of guys are in the business or were in the business. Uh, one's not. Um, sometimes I'll even ask Seth. I'll get his opinion because, you know, from a fan perspective, maybe once in a while I'll message some of the fans, get their opinion, some of you guys that listen. Because, you know, I, you guys might... You know, I, I, you guys might uh, like something different that I don't. Some of you, some of you, you know, it's subjective, right? All matches, you know, some guys like some matches better than other guys. Some guys and girls might think this wrestler's great or that wrestler was awesome. Some might think, yeah, you know what? That guy really sucked. You know, so it's, it's subjective, right? <clears throat> but I think we could all agree on this particular tag team um, that they weren't only a great tag team, but, <laughs> excuse me, but individually, these guys are just great workers, and who I'm talking about is on Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Uh, on and Tully, and um, no matter their work in the NWA for all the years or into WWF, uh, which is which I'm going to get into here in a second uh, because this this uh, throwback snack, as you guys probably know by now, it is on and Tully as the Brainbusters. Okay, against the team known as Demolition, who Demolition I thought were excellent. Um, and I will get into talking about them in a second, too. Um, it's it's interesting, uh, uh, the team of Arn and Tully and then Demolition, because when I was thinking about this, I knew I wanted to do a throwback snack on Arn and Tully in a tag match. And I'll probably do another one down the road. It'll probably be an NWA tag team match, which would not include Demolition, because Demolition wasn't part of NWA. So to give some of you guys a little quick little... Uh, a quick little uh what do you call it? history lesson so demolition they were you guys most of you guys know who they are but uh, they were kind of a i don't want to use the word rip off because it's not their fault it was wwf at the time they were kind of wws version of the road warriors okay animal and hawk uh and you some would say also a quasi of the powers of pain that were also you know, uh, Warlord and Barbarian that were in WCW, I'm sorry, NWA also. And so, 
But the road warriors were the first ones to do all this stuff, to wear paint and to have leather and spikes and metal and look demonic and mean and huge and just crazy rock, heavy metal music. And, you know, uh, um, you know, so it's um, the road warriors were the (laughs) they were the originals. They were the OGs. I mean, that's it. It's really that simple. They were the guys. They, they, They were the first. Now. I uh, wanted to do something here with Arn and Tully from the uh, WWF, but so much of their success was in the NWA, you know, with the Four Horsemen and everything, and and, and again, I could get into that down the road here with another throwback snack, but I wanted to jump into a match from WWF uh, for Arn and Tully as the Brain Busters because, I don't know, if there's different opinions I have on that of uh, when they made the move like how and and how it was different from what they were used to and all this jazz and how the business was then uh, i was just kind of uh getting ready to uh, you know i was i was in the business but i was green i was still getting tra- uh, trained while this match i'm gonna do which is from may 27th uh 1989 and it was a saturday night main event and this particular match with on and tully versus the br- let's just say the brain busters the brain busters uh versus um demolition i'm watching it i'm going to be watching this on the wwe network now there are um several matches excuse me of uh the brain busters versus uh demolition on youtube but i wanted to do this one from saturday night main event on the wwe network i apologize if some of you don't have the wwe network i assume a lot of you do uh, you know, being wrestling fans and stuff, uh, you know, I know it's not cheap. It's 10 bucks a month. You know, for some folks, that's expensive and that's totally understandable. So if you don't have it, I apologize. You could still listen to the throwback snack and, and you could watch one of the matches on YouTube, even though it won't be the same match. It's not like I'm doing play by play or color commentary on the match. I'm just giving you an overview of thoughts on the, the wrestlers per se in that match. And, that during that era, you know, that time. So for me in 1989, I had, um, I broke in in 87. So I had a couple of years under my belt, but I was, you know, still green and still learning. Uh, um, but in Saturday night main event, you know, uh, was a huge thing. It was on NBC broadcast TV and it was on Saturdays, obviously. And it was a huge, huge thing for them for WWF at that time. And it was bringing wrestling, to uh you know mainstream television it wasn't cable you know at the time wrestling was on cable you know and obviously for you younger folks this is (laughs) before mobile devices and tablets and you know laptops and stuff this was when people just watched television for, for content or listen to the radio so uh but most wrestling was on cable tv so what they did here with Saturday Night's main event, uh, through the relationship with Vince McMahon uh, and Dick Ebersol, uh, the, the guy that was running the ship with NBC, uh, you know, hence how the whole XFL thing happened years later and all that stuff, uh, which segues into the USA deal because that's owned by NBC Broadcasting and, and all this other boring TV top, uh, talk. Regardless, there was that relationship and that friendship with Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon. So, um, they got this deal here, um, you know, uh, Saturday Night's Main Event on TV. And they had a good run. I don't remember how long it was on uh, on Saturday nights on NBC, but it was great. I used to watch as much as I could back then. And uh, a lot of the matches were good. I mean, they were real good. And the houses were packed. 
Um, uh, this particular Saturday's main event, I know uh, Hulk Hogan is in this. He goes against the big boss man, a big steel cage match for the WWE Championship. And then uh, Demolition, which I will talk about in this. That'll be the throwback snack. Defend their tag team titles against on and tully uh then known as the brain busters so again may 27 1989 so you know this was um this time during wrestling you know i guess i'll get into this uh you know I'll, you know i'll do my normal thing and go to break in a second but then and then once we get into the match i'll talk um about you know how things were back then in 89 the mindset of the overview feel of wrestling and the mindset of wrestlers. Uh, like I said, I was a kind of a rook. I had a couple of years in the game, but I knew enough guys and, and was really honing my craft and stuff like that. So I knew the 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 major premise of the business and what was going on. And I was I was wrestling enough independence then and and training, still training heavily, you know, at that time with uh, Johnny Rods. So in Brooklyn, so I was already trained and and licensed as a pro wrestler. But uh, you know, I was. Um, you know, I also was learning from uh, other guys in the independence, veterans to me while I was out there and working on. And again, this was before they were called independence. And a lot of times, real quick, not to get into this, but like when I was training at the dojo uh, with Rods and I was, you know, I had um, some time under my belt. You know, a lot of junior wrestlers under me, I would, you know, Johnny would say, hey, go, you know, work with this guy, show him how to lock up, <clears throat> teach him how to take a bump, little basic stuff. Because uh, that stuff I had, you know, down like the back of my hand. Um, but then you get some, <clears throat> excuse me, some veteran guys would come in to work out in the gym sometimes in, in the dojo, and and I would get to learn from them and wrestle with them and and stuff like that. So and that that's what reminds me during those uh, late eighties, uh, you know, when I was just getting rolling in the business and guys like uh, one guy who I've talked about before on the Taz show is Ted Petty. Uh, the late great Ted Petty, which who was a great guy, I loved him to death, and he was a cheetah kid, and uh, you guys know him from ECW fame, from Public Enemy, Flyboy, Rock or Rock, and you know Teddy was. Uh, I've talked about him enough, and helped me a lot. And whenever he would get a chance to come, he lived in Jersey, so whenever he would come around to work out, uh, you know, at the school, uh, I was all ears, just trying to learn from Teddy. So that that you know, I hear those years. Uh, 1988, you know, 89, you know, I, I, 90, I think of that. You know, I think of, uh, you know, the frustration of not making it yet because I was very impatient then. And as I got older, I'm probably still more impatient. But that's a whole nother topic for another podcast. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'll get into deeper, the, the deeper convos during the match, <laughs> excuse me, about all this stuff. And during that era in the wrestling business. So, uh, and we'll get into it. Like I said, this will be on the uh, WWE Network, a Saturday Night's main event. Uh, and this is from May 27, 1989. And it's the uh, Brain Busters uh, getting a shot at the Demolitions Tag Team title. So I'll get into that in a, a, a second or two here. First, I want to let you guys know that the support for the Taz Show comes directly from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. See, they understand that the home plays a big role in your life and family. And you know what, guys? That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same exact level of confidence that you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. And the best part is... It's simple. Rocket Mortgage, it's a simple, easy process. 
We've had people call the Taz Show that have gotten a mortgage through using this code that I have and my connection and my love for Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans and their love for me that have gotten their first home. We've heard this. You guys know what I'm talking about. Most of you do. So whether you're looking like that dude for, to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence you need to make an informed decision and a smart decision for yourself, your finances, and for your family. So this is what I need you to do. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, and go mortgage confidently. And to do that, you got to get started by going to rocketmortgage.com slash Taz. That's rocketmortgage.com slash T-A-Z. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. That's uh, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. All right, we're going to go to break real quick here. When we get back from break, we'll jump right into this match. Saturday night's main event on the WWE Network, uh, May 1989, May 27, 1989. Uh, the Demos versus the Busters. Uh, Taz Show, sit tight. Be right back. Alright guys, we're back here on the Taz Show So we're going to get right into this match here This throwback snack, Demolition versus On Anderson, Tully Blanchard The Brain Busters Again, 1989 This is Saturday Night's main event I uh, gave you the date In the first segment, you know the whole gimmick In the Schneebus and the Furnum and the Burnham So, uh, that's the dealio So, we're going to get rolling here on this thing here uh, Just to let you guys know I'm going to hit play here Right, This was right after just you're probably going to pause after I tell you this so you can find where I am. I, I already saw the Brain Busters entrance and I already saw the uh, the interview that they did with Gene Oakland, meaning uh, the demo, the demolition. So uh, actually, you know what? Maybe let's start this thing up. Let's start it right. Um, oh, what the hell? Let's get crazy. We'll start it right at the, the Brain Busters entrance. So I'll pause for a sec. And now you probably are back. Listen to me. Okay. So you see, um, obviously, the great, the great, ever great Bobby Heenan managing, uh, the brain himself managing on and Tully. And on and Tully just about making their way in the ring right now. And uh, my man Howard Finkel's doing the ring announcing. This is classic WWF stuff right here. I mean, now they go backstage and we see uh, Demolition, who looked great. What another guy who I love dearly, Mean Gene Oakland, uh, interviewing them. So, uh, as a matter of fact, he contends that this is going to be his night. What do you have to say about that, Axe? Mean Gene, I say this is a night of champions. Very Rogue Warrior Hawk esque <laughs> by Bill Eady. <laughs> we got the belts. All right, Smash, you beat the powers of Pain and Mr. Fuji in WrestleMania 5. But tonight, can you beat Bobby Heenan and the Brain Busters on Saturday night's main event? So you see, so how it was back then, you know. And I know, by the way, I know some folks, not some very minor. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Here's the thing. <laughs> Change my mind. Here's the thing. Um, those interviews they used to do, those were pre-taped. Those were backstage, and those were probably early in the day. And um, not like it is today, where you'll watch Raw. 
And those guys and girls will be interviewed a lot of times right before they go to the ring or right when they get back to get that real organic feel. Back then, most of the stuff was pre-taped. Still today, I know in my time at WWE and in TNA and even today, stuff is still pre-taped. I'm not saying nothing's pre-taped. A lot of stuff's pre-taped. But the way they did that interview there with Demolition is definitely something that was pre-taped early in the day. Um, this, I don't, I, I could just tell you this. This building they're in is, this arena is completely packed, jammed. Uh, during that time in the eight, late 80s, as you guys know, WWF uh, was, was hot. Uh, NWA was hot. Um, and for Vince McMahon to grab a lot of these guys, you know, like Arn and Tully, who, who were part of the Four Horsemen and all the success they had, you never thought they would leave. Uh, and there was always that divide of NWA and, um, you know, uh, WWF. And when guys would jump and flip over, nice spot here, drop down, and then uh, gets caught in a bear hug, does Tully Blanchard, by the man formerly known as the Repo Man. <laughs> and now doubling up on him in the corner. But, um, you know, uh, the thing is, during that time, man, guys were, uh, the business was hot. Business was hot, and it really was that thing, like, you were like, I, I don't want, I was from the North, I was from New York, so I, I used to watch more WWF then than I did NWA, just because the part of the country I lived in, but there was that divide where you either were like a, I don't want to exaggerate and say you were either one of the other a fan of, but that's kind of how it was, I mean. Folks from down south were, were digging NWA more, more than the folks from up north because they were getting it more. So Bill Eady uh, was a great worker um, for a big man. He was also a mass superstar. Him and Arn Anderson right now, to, uh, two just tremendous hands, tremendous talents. Uh, and you could see even then, like the physicality these guys were bringing. And this was the late 80s when WWF was full of big, giant, huge guys. That were some, I'm not saying these four guys, but some of them were not ultra athletic. Some of the guys WWF had back then were not super athletes. They were just big, thick, gigantic, tall, monstrous men. Um, as we know, the business has changed a bit for the better, I feel, for more athletes as opposed to just big, giant guys. Uh, so a nice heat spot right there where uh, Arn Anderson throws a nice knee in the back while uh, Smash was uh, distracted by Tully Blanchard. What was that axe? Smash. My bad. Yeah, Smash. I said Smash. It's been a lot of years that I remember these guys were. A big body slam uh, by uh, Smash. And now it's just, they're just throwing around on the Tully. And now uh, Axe slams Tully Blanchard right near the ropes. And they do the screaming and stick the tongue out, very Road Warrior-esque. I mean, there was no hiding the fact that they were biting off the Road Warriors. And, you know, back then, like, so here's the thing that I want to tell you. Like, a lot of the stuff here, I, the match, I'm not pausing, I'm going to keep it rolling. A lot of the stuff back then, like, you could, they were just stealing guys' gimmicks in different territories. Because, like I just said about the, there was no such thing. A lot of stiff chops here by Tully into uh axe and then axe brings the offense um a lot of wwf fans had no clue who the road warriors were so when they saw these big guys leather spiked up with paint meaning uh, the demolition wwf fans they just thought it was this cool new tag team 
because there was no social media. And, and like I said, a lot of fans, if they were NWA fans, they were NWA fans. They weren't WWF fans. Now, there was some crossover fans, but it wasn't a lot. The bulk of the fans that are packed in this building there at Saturday Night's Main Event, a lot of them at that time didn't even know the Road Warriors were. You know, I'm just giving you an overview. And it wasn't just the, the teams like the Road Warriors or the t- talent like the Road Warriors and, and Demolition. Bobby took a bump there, got kicked in the head by Tully inadvertently. And obviously on the on the uh, play-by-play and the color uh, commentary, the play-by-play is Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura is doing the color commentary. And now both on and Tully are trying to hold back uh, Bobby Heenan from getting in the ring like he's pissed. It's pretty funny. And it's a perfect time for him to go to a commercial break. See, commercial break Jones, because um, it was broadcast TV. So you didn't, you know, back then it was, and, you know, Oh, by the way, Bobby Heenan's still out there. I thought he was going to the locker room. I guess not. I probably saw this match back in the day. I just, I just haven't seen it in a long time. But the physicality uh, is definitely there, which that's what I wanted to see. Because back then, you know, in the late 80s, you know, even into the early 90s, you know, there wasn't sometimes a lot of physicality because you would get a bad rep if you were too physical and stiff in the ring. Um, but these guys are veterans, all four of them. And they're bringing it. I mean, they're bringing it, and they know they're on big-time TV. And, uh, and Bill Eady, again, like I said, a very underrated worker for a man his size. For you know, I think he would have transcended well in today's world. Even though he's just a large guy, <clears throat> he's such a large guy, I should say. He, he was very physical, very athletic. Uh, his work looked very legitimate. Um, obviously, Anatoly can just get over in any age. I was just a huge fan of both these guys and their work and everything about them. And that's also like, so Anatoly, when they came in, you know, again, they were part of NWA, the Four Horsemen, wrestlers, wrestlers, you know, just, just boots and, and knee pads and, and, and trunks, nothing fancy, just nylon trunks, old school, you know. And uh, back in the day, because I know I used to, Get my gear, and and you either wore spandex trunks or nylon trunks or tights. Uh, nylon was, you know, a little cheaper than the spandex, <laughs> but spandex was very fancy. <laughs> That's what was looked at as fancy. So, like for example, the demolition they were in spandex trunks with like rhinestones or studs on it. Uh, where <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing this up for a reason. Where where Anatolia wearing just regular nylon trunks. I know the place in Ohio where they bought those trunks because they were one of the key uh, companies that sold gear to wrestlers, and I used to buy my stuff there. Um, but anyway, um, on and Tully, at least when they came over, they didn't get put in some ridiculous, goofy gimmick because back then there were tons of goofy gimmicks. And now uh, the heels got the heat. The Brain Busters got the heat right now on Smash. And then uh, Tully does his strut around the ring uh, towards uh, the piss off. Uh, on the uh, apron while they get a bunch of heat while the referee is is distracted by an axe in the ring so old tag team 101 psychology right there but like I was saying when they came in on the Tully they did not get put in some ridiculous gimmick they kept their real names the only thing that was added was the name the Brain Busters which of course they had Bobby the Brain Heenan as their manager otherwise they had them talk and work the same way they did in NWA. And back then, they would take you and just change your gimmick. Like uh, Terry Taylor came over around the same time, and he was part of Bobby Heenan's stable, and he was called the Red Rooster. You know, and the gimmick was, it was like, you know, Bo- the gimmick was Bobby Heenan was trying to make Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster, a better wrestler, like going to make him a star. 
So they were implying that like Terry wasn't good. Terry was a very good worker, like for a long time. And then they put this goofy ass gimmick on him with the red mohawk, the red rooster. <laughs> but that was WWE back then. That's how it was. WWF, I should say, back then. And we're just seeing solid. I'm sorry, I veered off the match, but we're just seeing solid tag team work here. This is is classic tag team psychology that still is implied today by so many young wrestlers. Because this psychology, the heat on one guy, works. It's done the right way. And you got a guy now who's talented enough, like Smash, who keeps coming back and, and on is going punch for punch foot, uh, uh, Smash in the corner. And now they're fighting out of the corner. Now double knockout. They're both down on Anderson and, um, and Smash. And this was smart psychology back then where can the baby face get to the other baby face to get the big pop? And what will probably happen is the baby face will make the tag right after, uh, right, right at the same, oh, well, it looks like Tully's getting off the apron, so that's not going to happen. He's going to cut the tag off. So Tully's going to come around, I'm sorry I'm leading the audience, to stop Axe on the apron. I thought they were going for a hot, what we call a hot tag, but they're, they're not doing it yet. It's coming. They're just, they're building. So yeah, we saw Tully pull Axe, Bill Eady, off the apron, which now they could continue on. Anderson <clears throat> can continue his heat. On a smash and just popped axe off the apron So they're going for A delayed hot tag And now Bill Eadie's had enough Smash he's coming Maybe they're not gonna <laughs> It just might be a DQ Smash and axe are in the ring Oh there goes the ref I smell a bell coming They're just beating up um, The babe, the heels now uh, The demolition's just beating up And there's the bell Yeah see This is what used to happen back in the day uh, screw job finish Jones I mean this used to happen all the time You know and and Those were things that Which is a whole nother topic but I'll get, in, I'll get into That in a second here It was a you know I'm trying not to curse as much on these podcasts But it was a you know a screw job Screw job finish where It was a DQ And then they get the victory to the heels But obviously the, the titles don't change Hands you know so Oh, now they're going to do some physicality on the outside here. So this reason why they do this, to be honest with you, <laughs> is to give the people a little more bang for their buck because they know the audience is pissed off because they didn't get a finish. And um, so they have the guys fight in the aisle way all the way to the back. Man, that place is packed. Um, and now the heels run off as the baby faces run them off. So, <clears throat> so you do that so people... Try not to go home pissed off about what they just saw and that they got screwed. Even though uh, fans back then weren't as educated to the business like they are now, they knew enough when there wasn't a legitimate finish in a match where there wasn't a guy getting pinned or giving up via submission. They understood that, that, that they didn't know it was a screw job, but that's what it was. So that used to happen a lot. And uh, all the companies were doing it, doing it, and it was bad. It was bad for the business. Um, it hurt the business because they took advantage of people buying into the worked industry known as pro wrestling, the the which everyone knew was a work, <laughs> but they would suspend their 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 belief for what's real and not real, and get sucked into the to this male soap opera because it was mostly male wrestlers back then, and the females were. In it, but not to the level is now, which is a good thing now because female wrestling is very dominant, which is great. But my point is they did not care. Like they didn't care about the audience in the sense of 
They could screw him over left and right instead of coming up with some creative way, which in that particular match, they obviously wanted to keep the tag team titles on demolition, on the baby faces. So uh, they wanted to give a big match to Saturday Night's main event so they can maybe get a rating on NBC. So let's give them this big match and let's screw them. That stuff happened all the time and not just WWF. It's um, it hurt the business. And it was I remember I remember like when I was coming up during that time and it was just accepted in locker rooms anywhere, not just if you worked for one of the big companies. But, you know, if you were working independence or whatever, like you didn't want to do jobs because if you did jobs, you would get a bad reputation that you were just losing. And then if you got signed to AWA or world class or WWF or, or NWA, it was a bad stigma on you that you were a jobber, that you were job boy Jones, you know, so you didn't want that. You know what I mean? So even it trickled down, it trickled down to, to the lower levels of pro wrestling then. And that was the mindset. And, and I was the same way. We all were like that. No one wanted to do jobs, but you know, you didn't want to bitch about it because then you could get a bad rep in that regard, too. And I talked about that in the past. A lot of guys, including me, would keep hoods, keep masks, wrestling masks in their gear bag in case you were on a show and they want the promoter needed you to put someone over and they wanted you to lose and you needed the money, which I need the money. And I, I didn't do that a lot. I didn't get asked to do it a lot. But, you know, you always most guy, a lot of guys had a mask with them, <laughs> a different set of tights or something, you know, uh, just in case, you know, it. It was extra money and and but but the point is they 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 would do these screw job finishes and 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 work the audience by put a big match like that with Brain Busters versus Demolition at that time in eight nineteen ninety nine on NBC on Saturday's main event and then f the people you know that's what the, the audience watching and uh, you know and I think if you talk to Vince McMahon now about it he would admit admit that how, that's how it was back then. Um, their goal was not, oh, let's screw the audience. Their goal was, no, nah, no, nah, they didn't care. I'm saying they didn't care is not cool. I don't want to say they didn't care. It was not relevant to them what the audience thought. And this is the reason why. Because you, the audience, you, the wrestling fan, back then, had no voice. You had no voice. You had no Twitter to communicate back towards wrestlers and promotions you had no instagram you had no facebook you 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 had there was no focus groups there was no uh nothing there was no chance of heckling where the audience would heckle you know wrestlers or or promotions if they were you know if they were screwing the people over like that that fans weren't like that that's not how it was a lot of a lot of the wwf fans were young kids with their parents and these parents didn't know anything about inside stuff, and they didn't know about a, a screw job finish or oh, that guy didn't want to do a job. They didn't even know what the hell that meant. That's a different language to them. And the little kids, they just wanted to see these big uh, circus-looking wrestlers that, oh, man, look how cool that guy looks. He's like a giant with all those muscles, and he's got paint. That's all, you know, kids, right? <laughs> so, you know, that it's a different mindset now. It's a totally different mindset. It's harder, actually, for these younger guys and girls because the audience is much more sophisticated, much more educated to the industry. Therefore, there's much more demands on your performance, not only as a wrestler, but as a promotion to how you book the matches, which is good because there's pressure on the promotion. There's pressure on the wrestlers, which pressure is good. It makes you better. And if you suck and you can't deal with pressure, then you go away. That's how it works. And I'm not trying to be a douche or being mean. I'm just being honest. That's just life. That's not wrestling. That's just life. Um, 
dealing with pressure and succeeding or not right the old cliche what's diamonds are made under pressure well diamonds are pretty nice right so uh you know uh, that 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 stuff uh, the way promotions were back then and screwing people over you'd see it on tv like they would go to we ran out of time sorry man nwa did that a lot we ran out of time sorry and they're right in the middle of a match where the finish is about to come like what that you know that was but it wasn't anybody in, in the booking trying to be mean they thought they were doing something that was good to hook the audience for next week inadvertently it ends up turning people off you know so um they don't have faith in what the what the product is you know but back then in that time uh during 1989 and i've had the opportunity back then to be in the wwf locker room more than once and wrestle tryout matches probably twice i've talked about that before and when i tell you it was the land of the giants lordy b it was the land of the freaking giants these guys were like dinosaurs they were monstrously huge and um uh just giant tall everybody was just tall 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 i'm like what am i doing here like you know but I built a chip on my shoulder to have a good match and um, and to try and impress. I mean, it, it didn't work the, the couple of times. I didn't get the job, but, you know, it may be better and built character in me. But I'm just saying, like, the WWF locker room back then, man, those guys were on the road a lot. I mean, those guys were getting killed on the road. They were never home. A lot of them were doing these. I don't remember. You, you know, you guys might know more than me, but because there's been so many different interviews online or stuff you read. Some of the times they were doing like 15 days on the road straight, 16 days and like two, three days off. Like that's like insane. Maybe more. I mean, just killing your body. And that's why, unfortunately, so many of the guys got hooked on pain pills because they were trying to survive or got hooked on alcohol and drugs. And it's just their bodies. They only make money by working. And a lot of those guys, you know, they weren't making the money people think they were making back then. They, it wasn't like that. I mean, it wasn't like they were making like tons and tons and tons of money, these guys. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't. It, it wasn't guaranteed contracts. It was, you know, uh, some of the guys were just, okay, you know, you, you, you're guaranteed whatever it is, you know, uh, X amount of dollars per match. And it wasn't like they were getting paid like a thousand bucks a match and they were doing all these matches. They weren't. A lot of them weren't. So it was tough. They had a tough and if they weren't able to work, it was next man up. It was a, a very passive-aggressive feel. Uh, if you weren't able to go, no problem. Next. <laughs> that's just the way the way it goes. And that's the stuff fans don't know or don't think about. And nor should you. You know, you did enjoy the show. Uh, but <clears throat> it was a little bit of a different era then. I mean, guys, unfortunately, were, were handled like pieces of meat. Uh, no union shop. And there's still no union, sh- no union shop. But the talent, uh, because there's different, um, you know, it's just uh, the companies are ran different, uh, you know, namely WWE. I mean, it's it's ran like a legitimate pro sports team and a business and the talents dealt with a lot better and injuries and concussions and you're taken care of. And they, 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 they try in their damnedest not to uh, be an abusive workplace. And they're not. I mean, I know my time there, I know there's been reports that ah, if you get hurt, they didn't care. And I got to tell you, like I've said a million times, I'll say it again. I've been hurt while I worked for WWE and I was always taken care of. Uh, Vince McMahon himself talking to me and like, you know, I have no complaints. The best doctors taking care of me, trainer doing a great job, like everything. And I've seen it with other guys too. So I just only can speak on my experience, you know, but 
I know years back, it wasn't like that. It was different. I mean, guys were treated like pieces of meat. And I just think there was less education, not just to the fan base, but to, to the promoters, uh, you know, uh, to, to the Crockett's, to Vince McMahon. And I, it was just different to, to Vern Gagne, you know, uh, Von Eric in Texas. It, it was a different mindset that the promoters weren't as sophisticated as today and weren't, um, no, no, uh, by the way, side note, I've heard some horror stories about how some of these young wrestlers have treated on independence and how some of them don't even get paid, which is just a load of freaking crap that really pisses me off. Um, that feels like some, like we've regressed, you know, and, and I hope that's not the case. But I've heard those horror stories. Uh, truly, I have. So, but anyway, uh, for lack of better terms, I, I think that the business is uh, 10 times better than it used to be. So, for the talent, for the fans, everything across the board. So, um, and that's that. So, I do hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Throwback Snack uh, Tag Team Edition. Yeah. So, be back live, live Tuesday. Hope you guys have a great one. Be safe. I appreciate the support and the love. Don't forget to rate me on the iTunes and put me over. Don't be a jobber. I'm Taz. You're not. Take care, guys. All right. All right. Said I was raised in the days of my space and screen names Back then when I was only worried about my top friends Now my circle is getting smaller, all these people acting fake, man And to be honest, I don't even have a top ten Me against the world, I've been doing what I really love Haters been hiding behind